What is happening, people? I'd actually never thought I'd be back here doing this again. I think it's been like nearly less, nearly a year now since I've last done my last podcast. But I think for the most part, why I just didn't do any because I think the hardest part was to sit down in the chair and actually get it done. So today I kind of decided to force myself to do it no matter what like was going on in the background. But yeah, it feels very, it feels very weird doing this again. I never thought I actually would be doing this again, but I did say on my Instagram that I'd be doing them again. I just never kind of, I recorded a few and just didn't really, wasn't really satisfied with it. So I was a bit more of a perfectionist. So I was like, no, I'm not going to upload these, but I'm going to try my best to upload this today and kind of get back in the role with things because I don't know. I kind of noticed when I was doing the last time, I actually got a lot of benefit from doing them and I, I'm aware that some people got benefit of me doing them as well. So I may as well just crack on and just see see what comes of it. So essentially, I am going to just discuss a book that I read recently called The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Um, I won't go into the whole book because it's like very long and a lot of kind of like it's quite in detail. So I was going to give an overall summary of it. So basically, this book has gotten a lot of like criticism for kind of manipulating the way people think and like kind of apparently it's a dangerous book for people to kind of like basically you know take advantage of on people who are kind of unaware or not really like street smart but I think I see this book as kind of like a knife where the knife itself isn't really dangerous but if you have someone who you know wants to like cut slice toast you know, it's not considered dangerous, but if you have someone who, you know, stabs someone with a knife, it's dangerous. I was like, it's a bit like a gun in a way or a knife. Like it's, it's considered a weapon to in what way you use it. But obviously I won't go through the whole 48 laws because, you know, it's a very long book and very kind of like a lot into it. So I'll just discuss kind of the 15 that I kind of took note of when I was actually reading this book myself. So, just to give an overall summary of the book, the book is about maybe feeling powerless and it's feeling powerless basically is a miserable experience. So Robert Greene says, if given the choice, everyone would opt for more for more rather than less power. Like everyone's in that kind of like, you know, dangling carrot search just to look for power all the time. So to be so advert to attempts to gain power is frowned upon. So for us to attain power, we need to be subtle, cunning, and democratic, yet devious. So in this, like, the book's very controversial, Controversial, as I discussed previously. The best-selling author, Robert Greene, he argues that if you manage to seduce or charm or deceive your opponents, you will attain the ultimate source of power. Robert Greene also states that the better you become a handling power, the better friend, lover, and person you'll become. This is because you will learn how to make others feel good about themselves, which makes them depend on you as a source of great pleasure to be around. So basically, what are the 48 laws of power? So it's a structured and detailed list that dwells into each law in detail. So I have the concise version, which is about 200 pages. And then I think the full version is 400 pages. But I think the thing about Robert Greene is his books are like so big and they're so tedious to read because the font's so small and the book's like so big like one of my favorite books the laws of human nature that is about 600 pages but like it'll be about a month and a half to read but i have to say it was one of my favorite books to read so yeah i know i'm going off at a tangent here but in this book we'll look 
uh, each kind of law and kind of just, just briefly discuss them. So the first law in the book is probably kind of going to trigger somebody if they're a manager or, you know, kind of taking on people as an intern or apprentice, but it's called never outshine the master. So what this law basically means or discusses is that we always make those who feel above you completely superior. So we hide the extent of our own talents as your masters may otherwise feel insecure. The better you make your master appear, the greater level of power you will attain. Those above you want to feel secure and superior in their positions. And this may involve making a few harmless mistakes so you can ask your master for help. If, however, you are more naturally charming than your master, it would be best to avoid working for them entirely. Law number two, never put too much trust in friends. Learn how to use enemies. So friends are more likely to betray you in haste as they are more prone to envy. However, if you hire a former enemy, they will prove themselves more trustworthy as they have more to prove. Consequently, you have more to fear from friends than your enemies. Often think you know your friends better than you do. This is because honesty rarely strengthens bonds, so friends frequently hide their true feelings about each other. As people want to feel they deserve their good fortune in hiring a friend, they can feel undeserving and ultimately resentful. Instead, it's better to hire an enemy as your motives are upfront and are not clouded with personal feeling. Law 3. Conceal your intentions. Always keep your intentions obscured. This way, your opponents cannot defend themselves. Lead them astray and by the time they realise your plans, they will be too late. Use humankind's tendency to trust appearances to your advantage. By dangling a decoy set of intentions in front of your opponents, they will fail to see what you are really plotting. By cloaking your intentions, people will believe you to be friendly and honest. This will lead you further down the road. This will fe- sorry, I've the whole podcast in life. <laughs> this will lead them further down the wrong path. Additionally, by being bland and inconspicuous, people are even less likely to doubt your intentions as they trust the familiar. So that's the first three so far. So as you can see, they've been very like, very like it might trigger some people in a way. It depends on their position and kind of like life itself. But yeah, it's kind of like. Like I said, it's just like a knife or like you can use this to your advantage or you can use this to do more harm than good or you can do, do more good than harm. It's kind of up to you how you use these. But law number four kind of follows on from number three where it goes, always say less than necessary. So powerful people know how to impress others by saying less. The more you, the more you say, the more it is that you will end up saying something foolish as people are constantly trying to work out what others appear to be thinking. Silence makes them feel uncomfortable. By controlling what you can reveal, you can wield great power. After all, they are likely to fill in the silences you leave, revealing more information about their own intentions and weaknesses. So yeah, like a real life example would be like, you ever try to kind of, you know, when you overrate the pudding, like when you try kind of say too much more than you really need to say. So the kind of more like, not the more silent, but the kind of like a lot more reserved you are and a lot more kind of like, more of a listener you are the more people will find you mysterious and might find you more interesting rather if you were just kind of like someone just like to talk and talk and talk and talk people will kind of get bored of you and kind of like find you kind of slightly irritating so yeah that's what kind of thing that tries kind of like lean out like kind of just try to keep yourself a little bit more reserved and kind of just take in more than what you're giving out so law number five so much depends on your reputation guard it with your life so 
your reputation is the cornerstone of your power. Reputation can be used to either intimidate or to win. But if it becomes tarnished, you open yourself up to being vulnerable to attack. Make your reputation impenetrable and predict attacks before they occur. Aid yourself in this endeavor by destroying your enemies, by exploiting holes in your reputations and letting the public destroy them. A solid reputation can double your strength and distract potential opponents from discovering what you're really like. It increases your presence and your strengths without having to expand much energy. Law number six, court attention at all costs. As everything is judged by appearance, you must stand out. Make yourself appear larger, more interesting and more mysterious than the masses. One way to do this is to surround your name with sensational scandal. Bear in mind that authority of any sort of power or any sort brings power is preferred to be slandered than to be ignored. A solid counterbalance to this approach is to create an air of mystery around yourself. Keep your cards close to your chest. Keep your people are drawn to see more agnostic. An air of mystery increases your presence and creates anticipation. Everyone will be glued to your next move. So, number seven, get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. So never do for yourself what the efforts of others can do for you. Use the wisdom and knowledge to further your own cause. In doing so, you will appear intimidatingly efficient and knowledgeable. Ultimately, those who worked for you will be forgotten and you will be remembered. If you think it's important that you do all the work yourself, you won't get far. Consequently, find those with the skills you lack and find a way to either take their work as their own or hire them and put your name on their efforts. However, to do this effectively, your position must be secure, as otherwise people will call you out for deception. Law number eight, make other people come to you. Use bait if necessary. It's always preferable to make your opponent come to you as they will have to abandon their plans and strategies in the process. Lure them in and then attack. This prevents you from ever reacting to your opponents instead of them having to react to you. This means playing the long game, sitting back, staying calm and others get stuck in traps while you've carefully planned out for them. However, your traps are as only good as your perceived attractiveness of your bait. If your bait is sweet enough, your opponent will be blinded to the reality by their emotions, allowing you to gain the upper hand. Law number nine, win through your actions, never through argument. Any triumph you gain through argument will be short-lived. Resentment will fester in your opponents instead of a genuine change of opinion. Instead, let your actions speak for you. If people agree with you through your actions instead of your words, you are more likely to sway lasting opinions. Words are a dime a dozen and people say anything to prove a point. Action is where you demonstrate your beliefs. Law number 10, infection. Avoid the unhappy and the unlucky. Emotional states can be infectious as diseases. Occasionally, some unfortunate individuals bring their own misfortune upon themselves and can bring you down too if you get too close. Therefore, make sure to associate with the happy and the fortunate. The incurable unhappy tend to portray themselves as victims, or the incurably happy, excuse me, tend to portray themselves as victims, as before you realise they are the cause of their own misfortune. They have infected you with their misery. Who you decide to associate with is critical. Those associate with the miserable, you waste your valuable time and drain your potential power. So I think this... um, law goes back to 
when I discuss you're the average of the five people that you spend most time with. So if you're kind of surround yourself with negative energy, you're more than likely going to be negative. Or if you're spending more time with positive, kind of like driven people, you're more likely to kind of like rub off them. So it's a bit like you're kind of you are your environment. That's what this kind of law is getting at. So law number 11, learn to keep people dependent on you. To maintain independence, you must make others need and want you. The more people rely on you, the more freedom you have. Yet be wary that you never teach those surrounding you with enough information that they can start doing things for themselves. This method is the best way to get people to do what you want without forcing them or inflicting pain on them. Once you have dependence, they are reliant on you and you can certainly do with them as you wish. Law number 12. Use selective honesty and generosity to disarm your victim. A single honest gesture can help cover the traces of dozens of dishonest acts. By being generous, you can disarm even the most suspicious people. Once they are disarmed, you can manipulate them at will. The key to successful deception is distraction. An act of generosity distracts those who wish to deceive while turning them into docile children, delighted by the affectionate gesture. Learning to give before you take is a skilled way of getting what you want. Selective honesty also functions as a means to disarm your opponents. However, regaling a single truth will not be enough. You have to construct a facade of honesty built upon a series of acts to gain trust, but these acts can be quite inconsequential. Law number 13. When asking for help, appeal to the self-interest of others, never to their mercy or gratitude. So, if you must ask for help, make sure that in your own request, your own request includes a benefit for your ally that you can exaggerate beyond proportion. So when your ally sees that there's something in it for them, they're more likely to respond with enthusiasm. So the self-interest is the greatest motivator for moral people. So once you master the art of working what others want and using to further your own plans, there will be no limits on what you can accomplish. So this basically means that if you're kind of like seen as somebody who's kind of like on a lesser ladder than you or like on a lesser level they're going to have more kind of more feeling of superiority superior feeling towards you so it's kind of try get on that evil front instead of kind of like letting someone act like someone's above you because they probably won't have as much respect for you as they would if you're on an even playing field law number 14 poses a friend works a spy Knowledge about your rival is essential. By posing as a friend, you can ask indirect questions and gradually get your opponents to reveal their weaknesses and their intentions. Once you know this information, you can predict how they're going to move next. If you don't want to pose as a friend, get others to spy for you. However, while you gather information, you open yourself up to vulnerabilities by letting other people do your work for you. It is better to spy and pose as a friend yourself. Law number 15. Crush your enemy totally. To crush your enemy partially means that they will ultimately recover and seek revenge. Ultimately, you can only gain peace and serenity if your enemy ceases to exist. If you manage to remove all of your opponent's options, then they will have no choice but to bend to your will. By giving them nothing to negotiate with and no room to maneuver, you'll have to crush them, or you'll have crushed them. Law number 16, use absence to increase respect and honour. The more present you are, the more common you appear. Create an air of scarcity around you to increase your perceived value. 
if you currently exist within an established group, intermittently withdrawn, or so others talk about you and admire you more. To do this effectively, you must learn when is the right time to withdraw. In doing so, you are forced to respect by inadvertently threatening your absence for good. Once you return from your absence, it will appear as if you have been resurrected and people will be relieved to see you again. Law 17. Keep others in suspended terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictability. Humans are creatures of habit who look for familiar patterns in the behaviours of others. By acting unpredictably, your opponents will tire themselves out by trying to predict and analyse your moves. This means occasionally striking without warning. When you act predictably, you give others power over you. If you act surprisingly, they will feel that they understand you and will be intimidated. Similarly, if you find yourself the underdog, using a strategy of unpredictable moves can confuse your enemies into making a tactical blunder. Law number 18. Do not build fortresses to protect yourself. Isolation is dangerous. If you decide to isolate yourself away from your enemies and the world at large, you cut yourself off from valuable information. This makes you vulnerable to attack. It's always better to mingle amongst people as you are better protected in the crowd. Because humans are social creatures, power comes with social interaction. Therefore, to become powerful, you must place yourself at the centre of things. Activity should resolve around you. Resist the urge to retreat when things feel uncertain. Instead of turning inward, focus on seeking out all allies and forcing yourself into new social circles. So yeah, like think about like if we're back, back you know in the BC times or millions of years ago when you had kind of like cavemen or like you know uh, Neanderthals running around. You know, they need kind of social interaction. Like, did they ever think that the alpha of a pack was created for himself? No, like, he needed, like, a lot of people to be around him to feel kind of protected and worthy. Law number 19. Know who you're dealing with. Don't offend the wrong person. Choose your opponents wisely. There are some people that are once defeated and will spend the rest of their lives seeking revenge. Consequently, it pays not to offend the wrong person. The skill of correctly measuring people is the most important with regard to getting and maintaining power. To be sure to know everything about a person before you work with them. However, don't rely on your instincts to get an understanding of a person and never trust appearances. Watch your target over a long period of time to get a truer picture of their nature. Law number 20. Don't commit to anyone. Make sure the only cause you commit to is yourself. Maintain your independence at all costs. This allows you to play people off against each other. When you hold back from joining a cause, you create a sense of respect because you gain untouchable, or you appear untouchable. You gain a reputation for independence. Furthermore, do not commit to anyone. Stay out of petty fights and squabbles. Feign interest, but let others do the fighting while you watch and wait. Often it can be a good catechist to stir quarrels between two parties and then gain power by acting as the go-between. Law number 21. Play a sucker to catch a sucker. Appear dumber than your mark. No one enjoys feeling stupid. Consequently, a great trick is to make your opponents feel smarter than you. Once they believe themselves to be more intelligent, they will never suspect that you have any ulterior motives. Number 22. Use a surrender tactic. Transform weakness into power. Surround before you are about to be defeated. This buys you more time to plot your revenge and to torment your conqueror. By surrounding, you deny them the satisfaction of destroying you. In doing so, you make the act of surrender a tool of power. 
by yielding, you gain the upper hand because you lull your opponent into believing that they've defeated you. Even as you plot your downfall, this confuses your opponents and means they're unlikely to act aggressively against you. Law 23. Law 23. Concentrate your forces. Conserve your energies by focusing them into all into a single source of power. When looking for such a source, identify a single spring that will sustain you for a long time to come. You will find or gain more power by finding a singular rich source than by flitting between many more shallow sources of power. Power exists in concentrated form. In any organization, power will emanate from a small group of people who are holding the strings. Consequently, power is like oil. You only need to strike it once to assure yourself a lifetime of wealth and power. Law 24, and this will be the last one I'll discuss today because it's very, very long book and I just don't want to bore people to tears. But if people want me to discuss the remainder of the book, um, let me know and I will do a second part to this. But if not, I'll just move on and do other things. But yeah, back to Law 24. So Law 24 states, play the perfect courtier. The courtier wields power through discrete avenues. By flattering and yielding to the superiors and they're only enforcing their power through charm and grace, they gradually accumulate an ever-increasing amount of power. There are several steps one can take to become the perfect courtier, and they involve the following. Practicing nonchalance, being frugal, frugal with flattery, adapting your style and language according to your audience, avoiding being the bearer of bad news, never criticizing your superiors, being self-observant, massing your emotions and being a source of pleasure so yeah hopefully that wasn't too boring anyway um like i said lots of human nature robert green's probably one of my favorite authors he wrote the laws of human nature mastery war the 50th law seduction and i'm also reading his book the lady laws at the moment so yeah i i can say i'm a big fan of his um his work but yeah, the, the book is pretty expensive. Like, I think it's about maybe 20, 20 to 25 euro. I bought it in a bookshop in Limerick. So, yeah, like, I mean, you can find them anywhere. Eason's, um, Eason's even Book Depository or Book Depository. You can kind of find them anywhere there. But, yeah, um, let me know what you think. You know, people even got that fair play, fair play to you. But yeah, good to be back doing a podcast after a long while. And I will try make it more of a habit to record them pretty frequently. I don't know. Maybe I won't do what I did last time where it's uploading like five a week. I kind of stop. I might just try to do maybe one or two a week and kind of just go from there. But yeah, um, have a great week and I'll see you next time.